0: Believe it is snowing again here in south central Pennsylvania. Oh man, this is twice before Christmas, and if I, I'm sorry to all of you who are out there missing summer right now, I love the winter time, especially when it looks like the way it does out the window of my home office in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, right now. And the coolest thing about this is we weren't expecting it so. How are you? It is Friday. My name is Dave. Welcome to Creatively Genuine, the podcast about writing a creative nonfiction novel. It is Friday, December the 15th, 2017, and today I want to touch on a specific scene in my book and share with you some of the techniques that I used to create this scene, and hopefully it will help you both as a creative nonfiction writer And if you happen to be somebody that's into genealogy, family history, this might help you um, figure some mysteries out, just like I did. And that's how I created chapter five. For those of you who are new to the book, let me share with you real quick what this book is all about, and it's a short summary. When I was at a funeral, a funeral for my dad's uh, mother, my grandmother, my father pulled me aside and said now you need to know the person that we buried today she was not my actual mother totally blown away right you just found out that this grandmother that you have come to know and love for 33 years actually was not your real grandmother my dad tells me a wild story that in the 1950s when he was an infant uh, he had been abducted abducted by his own father his father had had an affair with a teenage girl. They broke up. He took the baby, took the baby back to his wife, and they raised him without telling him the truth for more than 20 years. And then they kept the secret from me and my siblings. That is until uh, my paternal grandmother passed away in 2012. I lost. An, I launched an investigation. What happened in the the mid 1950s. What were the circumstances around uh, my grandfather stealing a baby away from his teenage mistress? What happened to that girl? Where did she go? Could I reunite my father with his actual birth mother nearly 60 years after she lost him? So that's what this book is about. It's called "For Him I Sing." Uh, the title is a working title. It's taken from an early Walt Whitman poem about fathers and sons and about the past and the present chapter five this takes place in december 1942 so we're diving back into the story of bud and mary catherine bud is my biological grandfather mary catherine is the woman i thought was my grandmother but turns out she was not in 1942 they got married in april 42 after about a year's worth of dating so they are very young They are really, in many ways, new acquaintances. And of course, as you can probably discern, it's 1942. The world is at war. The United States is at war. And there is patriotic fervor. Uh, A lot of people, a lot of men and women are rushing off to military service. That includes my grandfather. He joined the Marine Corps, and according to him, according to his own accounts... He had experienced um death and, and war um and seen uh just just terrible bloodshed uh, during the early days of the Battle of Guadalcanal, at a specific place he was, um and he he claims to have been there. Part of his World War II story is that after that battle, he had come home, he had taken uh home leave, came back to Cincinnati went with Mary Catherine to see a showing of Holiday Inn, that uh, that really great uh, movie with Fred Astaire, Bing Crosby. Um, they were watching it in the movie theater, and it was then and there that my grandfather, uh, Bud, decided he was not going to go back to the Marine Corps. He was going to go AWOL, uh, forget about it, no way, no how. I am not going back to war. And, of course, with the context, knowing that he had experienced combat... And the horrors of combat. Who honestly could blame anybody um, for having that fear? This is a legend. This is a story that was passed down on, you know, Saturday nights on the back deck as as people, my family, their neighbors are drinking beer and they're swapping stories these kinds of stories which then evolve into legends this is how this stuff gets passed down and how do i include these legends which i'm not sure if they're true into a creative nonfiction novel part of my investigation into where my dad's mother was what happened to her was i also wanted to know about the biographies of bud and mary catherine what created this context? What, you know, what were their circumstances? What, what were their biographies? I came to realize how little I actually knew about my own family and about my grandparents. And I you know, part of my investigation was to look into the truth behind these legends. That was incredibly difficult. My grandfather passed away in 1993. Mary Catherine passed away in 2012. How do I confirm any of these accounts? Well, of course, I can interview family members, which I did, but none of them were there. None of them uh, were actually in this movie theater watching Holiday Inn. They heard the same stories that that I had heard. Um, They were some of the ones who passed this story down. I needed to find a way to confirm what I was hearing. So how did I do that? Well, I want to talk about three ways um, that I gathered information and then turned this into a scene in my creative nonfiction novel. One of the first things I did was... Anytime I hear a legend about this, I try to siphon off what could be a, a fact, a just cold, straight fact. And in this case, it's the movie Holiday Inn. Well, okay, Holiday Inn came out in 1942. What I discovered was that Holiday Inn did not come out during Christmas time, Holiday Inn was released earlier, months earlier. I went back to the Cincinnati newspaper archives. You can do this online newspapers.com or pay for a subscription to the Cincinnati newspaper The Enquirer, and you can do these really great uh, really great archive searches and I looked when was Holiday Inn showing at Christmas time And fortunately in this case, there really was only one showing. It was at a theater in eastern Cincinnati called the Edson. Well, okay, so now I have kind of have an idea of where they saw holiday in and when. What else is fact? Well, according to my grandfather, he was home from the Marine Corps. How do you how do how do you confirm that? How do you know? On Ancestry.com, that massive, famous, great website for genealogists and uh, family history sleuths and um, for all of us who are enthusiastic and curious about the hows, the wheres, the whys, and all of those things about where we come from, you can actually page through the Marine Corps muster rolls. You can follow a family member service month to month, even day to day, find out where they were and what happened to them. What did they experience? I think these, are, these records are made available through the United States Archives, so I can't tell you how thankful I am for this, because without them, I may never have known what my grandfather did in World War II. In this case, I went to the Marine Corps muster rolls, Flipped over to 1942, I discovered that my grandfather, Bud, had enlisted on October 13th, 1942. Why is that curious? Because he had claimed, he swore that he had participated in a specific battle at a specific river on Guadalcanal in August 1942. Well, guess what? I discovered he lied. He was not at that battle. He enlisted months later, in October 1942. He went down to the Marine Corps recruitment office on October 9th in Cincinnati and signed up. And uh, by the 11th, there he was in Paris Island, South Carolina, joining the 13th Recruitment Battalion. By November 24th, he had qualified as a private in the Marine Corps. And then something interesting happens. And I've always thought this was really fascinating and very risky for the United States military, particularly the Marine Corps. You have just put these recruits through hell and trained them, tore them down and built them back up and made them Marines. Give them that sort of hoorah enthusiasm. They're ready to go. And then you send them home. (laughs) Um, To me, it kind of sounds risky, right? Um, You send them home before you ship them off to war. And in this case, Bud is sent home to Cincinnati. But before he does, and this is something that my family never knew, he had been assigned to Cooks and Baker School at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. He was to be a cook, not a soldier, which tells me he might not have been that great of a shot he may not have he may have been a subpar soldier let's just be honest so my family never knew that about cooks and baker school here's the other thing i managed to confirm on december 21st 1942 his commanding officer at one a.m. listed my grandfather a o l absent over leave so it's true he did not return to the marine corps during Christmas time, nineteen forty-two. Now he had not gone to combat, but nonetheless, this part of the mystery, this part of the legend, is true. In January nineteen forty-three, he uh, he finally surrenders um, on January nineteenth. He walks into the Cincinnati recruitment office uh, and says, "I'm back." And he was in. He was in a world of trouble, uh, as you can probably imagine. So um, this is a decision I can tell you, and we're going to cover this later, that changes the trajectory of a couple of lives, including his own. He was due to go to Cook and Baker School, and instead the Marine Corps assigns him to, um, to an artillery unit and gets ready to ship out for the South Pacific. All right, so I've used the newspaper archives. I've gone to the muster rolls from World War II and managed to confirm that, yes, there was a showing of Holiday Inn in Cincinnati in December 1942, that my grandfather went AWOL from the Marine Corps in December 1942. So, okay, there's enough here, I think, that I can reasonably say that this is a true story. Now, how do I write it? How do I present this to readers in a compelling fashion? I don't want to write this like a newspaper article. Straight journalism. That's not where I want to go with this. I, To me, I'm not sure that makes for compelling reading. That's not the story I'm telling. I want to imagine what it must have been like, from Bud's perspective, sitting there in that movie theater watching Holiday Inn and deciding... I'm not going back to the Marines. So how do I do that? Well, I've been to movie theaters before. I've been to old movie theaters before. I know how it feels. I know the sound of the projector. I know how that cold white light that goes beaming through the darkness and sends images in black and white up on the movie screen. I know what that's like. I've watched Holiday Inn. I know what uh, the experience is like watching Fred Astaire dance and Bing Crosby sing and, and all the performances. Uh, I, so I know that. I can certainly relate to that. Um, I know fear. I imagine that there is some sense of trepidation on his part or something motivated him to risk his safety, his freedom, um, and to basically desert the Marine Corps. Um, must it might have been fear. I imagine it was fear. my my grandfather's not one to admit fear or wasn't one to admit fear, but there's something there. I know fear. I know trepidation. I know uh, that sense of I don't want to be separated from my wife. I worked a job that um every now and then forced me to face uh, the the thing I probably fear the most. Um, which is, happens to be flying. And uh, I also know what it's like to look at my wife, know that I have to travel for the next week or two and not want to. Well, he wasn't leaving for a week or two. He was going uh, possibly for years with the chance that he would never come back. Thousands of miles to places that he probably couldn't even pronounce. I, I can understand what that's like, I can relate to that. Now, how do I write the dialogue? I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what was said. What I've done is gone back to some old home movies. They've been put into digital form so I can watch them on my computer. They're not we don't have many of them, but we have enough that I can watch and listen. Pay very close attention to his cadence. What are the words that he likes to say and use? Also, um my my father my father is known to be somewhat of a carbon copy a twin of his own dad. And so uh the word is is that my dad speaks very much like his father did. So I pay attention to my dad as well because there are echoes of how bud used to talk. The same goes for Mary Catherine. I study those same home movies um and listen very closely to how she talks. And so I just use my imagination. What must it have been like? You know, I, I'm not writing a straight journalistic piece. This is a nonfiction that is creative, so I have to tap into my imagination and my heart and soul and say, "What must it have? What, what must have it been like? What, you know, uh, if I had been there, what, 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 what could have been said? What do I believe was said, and then convey it onto the page to the readers." that's it i hope that helps everybody and i certainly hope you have a great weekend ahead i know that uh, i'm looking forward to it it's the last uh it feels like this is the last weekend before um the the christmas season really kicks into high gear right because we are a little bit more than a week from from the holiday uh and so uh, we've got a lot to look forward to I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you found something in today's episode of Creatively Genuine that you can use for your own writing or your own search into your family's past. So we will see you back here next week. Thank you so much for stopping by. Take care, everybody.